Okay, that song gets a little bit uh, esoteric from that point on, but uh, just wanted to get us in the mood, you know. So uh, I guess so. Vin and and uh, Eagle are out there in the world, I think. Yes. Sam. Great. Well, um, welcome to uh, Dojo Universe. I think it's our. I can't remember what episode it is, but we've been doing this for, I think, uh, a year at this point. Um, so almost anyway, so this is pretty cool. And, uh, we've got a special guest, Michael Eagle here with us today. Michael is, um, the new leading drummer of the Oramore pipe band. And, uh, he's also extremely, uh, involved in all sorts of percussion pursuits all over the world, including, I guess you got like a full page spot, uh, in, uh, some sort of New York publication, like your, your mug is on there in the, in the Knicks uniform. It sure is. That was kind of a surprise. I just got that texted to me uh, a few minutes ago. And I, I apologize to everyone for the background noise, by the way. I've had to pull into a Starbucks as I am en route to said Nick's performance this evening. So I apologize for that. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so you kind of you kind of play at the uh, uh, you kind of play at the Nick's home games at the Garden, right, uh, with with an ensemble that you're involved in. That's correct. Uh, the, uh, the company is an independent company called GEI Gallant Entertainment Inc. And we are the only professional drumline providers in the greater New York City area. And as far as our knowledge goes, the East Coast and one of our biggest clients this year, our, our year of inception, is the New York Knicks. And I'm one of the managers and consults for the company and one of the section leaders for the performing ensemble. Yeah, that's very cool. And, uh, you know, uh, at some point, maybe you could uh, throw up uh, a YouTube clip that you like of what you guys do, because I know I've seen several of them. But uh, um, if you get a chance at any point, uh, throw the link into the chat there so people can check it out, because it's really cool. So so we've really enjoyed getting to know Mike a little bit. And, uh, you know, the cool thing that I like uh, or the cool thing that I think you can provide us here with today is a little bit of perspective about what drumming is really all about because pipers really only speculate and it's kind of like uh, we're a little bit xenophobic, I think. Gener and this is generally speaking, not all of us. And, uh, you know, yeah. and, and people, have, people have such antiquated views as, uh, like as follows. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. Yeah, and if you couldn't hear that, right just... now kind of copy and do what you're told. So this is from last week's show. Um, our, our, our illustrious co-host Vin Janowski. I think he just needs a little bit of help. So, and then this is what he said. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what uh, e Eagle? What would be your response to this? You know, like how do we how do we combat this sort of raw raw drummer hatred in, in the world of of piping and drumming? Well, um. On, on one hand, I, I, think that, I think that's unfortunately correct. I, I think that's a correct perspective. I think that there are, in fact, a lot of pipe bands from out there, unfortunately, carbon copies and do what they're told. But, I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of bagpipers that do the same. They're just kind of told to do this, this, and that, and they don't, they don't really explore their craft to the fullest. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think both parties are, are of equal guilt there. But I think as far as um, for bagpipers to try to have a better understanding of either their, what their individual drummers have to bring to the table or just what drumming's all about in general, there has to be a sincere interest in that to begin with. This is one of the things we've instilled with all of the or and more drummers, as many of them 
come from a Scottish background, but many of them, like me, uh, don't, or they haven't had Scottish background from the beginning. They're American players or professional percussionists. So one of the things that I make sure to do with them is that they have at least a basic understanding of not only the bagpipes and the tunes that we play, but the, the instrument itself, how it operates, and therefore how, how the music works. And then, of course, uniquely what we do at Orin Moore. Because as much as we have to focus on executing to perfection our piece of the puzzle, it's never going to be perfect unless we understand the music to which the drumming adheres. And so I, I think that if a, if a bagpiper wants to know more about how we go about that process and, and what our methods are to, to formulate our rhythm to your melodicism, they just have to go kind of hang out with drummers because we definitely have our own sub-demographic, if you will. And it seems to be the same way in all idioms. Like you go hang out with a professional symphony orchestra, the violinists just kind of have a different demographic from the percussionists. It seems to be the same way even just in our two, our two cores and pipe bands. Drummers just kind of seem to have their own thing. And I, for sure, I think all too often pipe, uh, pipe bands just seem to separate each other and never really do anything but meet in the circle and hope for the best. So if you really want to know what drumming's all about, it um, it has to start with a sincere interest in in wanting to find out who and who your drummers are and what they do to try to make their piece of the puzzle work. It's sort of a du- double-edged sword, isn't it? I right. mean, it it kind of goes <laughs> back, uh, both ways. Hey, Vin, your mic is way way too loud, man. Just throwing it out there, Still? relative relative to ego, like like light years louder, and 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 you know like, yeah. What, how's that sound? See, now you're muted. Oh, wait now. Maybe I can hear I don't, you. I don't want to be louder than the drummers now. No, you definitely don't want to be louder than the drummers. So, uh, but no. I, think it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword in that um, I think sometimes uh, you're right. I think these attitudes kind of like, you know, we're going to do what we do and they're going to do what they do and, you know, uh, screw them if they don't like it. You know, I think that attitude really exists in, in sort of uh, – uh, general pipe band culture is kind of like, you know, screw them. And, and I think you're right about that. I think that the attitude has to try to be, you know, to figure out, you know, how you're going to work together and create that, that bizarre ensemble concept. And then um, it's weird though. I, I think it is weird how, you know, people like, like this fellow. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. <laughs> you know, I think people like, like, uh, like, like then, and, and, you know, I think, I think we're lost. We're lost in the sea of, uh, confusion well, and frustration. Let me, let me qualify that same. But I was say I was I said that starting off, we were talking about how drummers are taught without a written record, and where pipers have the advantage of having you know 200 years of published music in front of us to as a guide. Uh, drummers really don't have that, and they're sort of. That's a great point, Ben. It really is. Um, I often often have people in and out of the pipe band community asking me for text and methodologies for Scottish drumming, because if you pick any other genre of percussion, man, djembe, drum set, it doesn't matter. There are tons and tons and tons of books and literature and videos to be found from all kinds of guys that know what they're doing. In the pipe band community, we really do not have a surplus of literature. There's really only a couple of things, I'm sorry to say, that I would shyly recommend to someone. So that, that's a great point. You guys do have a written advantage over us, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you, so you find it's like different when you're trying to teach guys that come from a different different style or a different uh, genre of drumming. Do you find it difficult because of that lack? I mean, now now you're teaching drummers, you know, pipe band style or 
you know, Scottish style snare drumming, and it's and you don't have that. You don't have that written record. You don't have that guide. They don't. And where they're used to sort of referring to that kind of stuff when they need help or when they need some sort of information. uh, That's a great question. That's a great question, Ben. Um, And the answer is no. It is actually far too easy to teach someone who already has a firm background in music. So if you hand me someone who is, let's say, an undergraduate percussionist or even someone who's a professional, uh, professional and been playing for several years, all I have to teach them is the style. That's way different from having to teach them how to read music, how to hold drumsticks, what music is. Teaching someone the fundamentals of music, is uh, that, that's a long process. Teaching someone the physicality and the stylistic appropriations for any given genre is it's quite easy. And so um, that's, that's honestly why I look for professional percussionists. I look for American players because these are guys that not only have the tutelage and the mentality, they want something new and challenging and unique. And all those things encompass Scottish snare drumming. And then as far as teaching those guys or a, a kid, an adult beginner, someone who doesn't have a firm musical background, I mean, I am, you know, I've, I've been a professional pedagogue now for about 15 years, and I have certainly have developed my own system and my own tools, uh, my own exercises, my own methodology, if you will. So as far as text and written um, literature is concerned, I think I've developed a, a pretty strong surplus myself to suffice Scottish snare drumming. What what is a uh, what is this pedagogue of which you speak? Is that like a is that like a hobbit or uh, you know like a middle is that like a middle earth creature? Yes, that is a middle earth creature. That is what I am. (laughs) So so pedagogy is simply the art of teaching, and uh, I'm a firm believer that teaching is like any other skill in life. Just because you can do something, that doesn't mean you can teach it. Uh, The thing I like to tell everyone is just because I was really awesome at Legos and Lincoln Logs when I was a kid, that doesn't mean you want me building a house or a bridge for you. And so I think this is, again, this is, this is part, of the, part of the problem we have in pipe bands. We get a lot of people who can say, oh, hey, I can play Scotland the Brave now. I'm going to go teach a band. Or, hey, I can play roll-offs now, sort of. I'm going to go teach people how to yeah. drum. But I think, I, think, you know, I think it even extends into the higher levels. You know, uh, I definitely feel this way. Um, which is that, you know, or I think other people assume, well, hey, I'm a professional snare drummer now and I've played in a few decent bands, you know, therefore I am qualified. Uh, And by the way, this is not just drummers. This is just pedagogy in general. You know, I'm a professional level piper now and I've played in a few good bands. Therefore, uh, I am qualified and credentialed uh, to further the art form by going around and teaching. You know, um, I really... Uh, I don't know. I both I both sort of agree and, and disagree with that particular mindset, and I think it exists yes. a lot in piping. It was interesting. I, I remember I remember the first time I ever taught at uh, Piping Hot Summer Drummer, uh, which which was really the first summer I, I started teaching in any significant way. And um, and I remember it, it was kind of touch and go at first. Jack was like, "Yeah, I think you know we're going to have you teach," and it was closely watched. But then. You know, like I sort of I've always sort of had that that passion and desire. And maybe you could say and then it's arguable, of course, but you could say I have the ability to take what we're doing and actually transfer it successfully to others. And that's where I really started to develop my passion for teaching. I mean, the, the pattern you get in pipe bands is like, you know, you get some, you know, some guy, young guy goes through the amateur ranks and solos, makes it the professional level. And then the next thing you know, he's he's pipe major of, you know the local grade four band or something, a grade three band, and, you know, he's barely 19. So it's like, you know, just because, you know, you, you can play well and win some prizes doesn't necessarily mean 
you actually know how to impart that in a group of pipers, you know, and and you see that. I mean, you can I can name the bands right now, and where that situation has occurred, and it's, it's more or less just that sort of mentality that oh, he's the best player in the band, let's make him in put him in charge, right? You know, and, and the drummers tend to have that same same attitude a lot of the times as well, and 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 it's worse because there's fewer of them, you know, there's there's right. not a lot of drummers, good drummers, to go around, and so it's they usually true, typically take over a, a core right away. It, it's yeah. absolutely true. I mean, a lot of this happens just out of necessity. You're absolutely right. I have to say, um, one of my one of my favorite guys in the Scottish community as a person and as a player is Barry Wilson. And if anyone here doesn't know Barry Wilson, he is the lead drummer of the Scottish Power Pipe Band. Awesome player, awesome guy. So I was hanging out with Barry Wilson at his place in Scotland a couple of years ago, and we're just talking shop. And um, when we got on the subject of, you know, so Barry, what do you do? What's your process with your guys? How do you get everyone to subscribe to your thing? And so we're obviously stumbling upon the whole teaching thing. How do you teach? What do you teach? And, you know, do you do clinics and workshops and all this stuff? And what Barry Wilson basically said was, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success and a lot of experience as a player. And I think that I can share those experiences and I can certainly do what I have to do compositionally and performance wise to play the lead stick role. But when it comes to clinics and workshops and actual teaching, I've never really felt comfortable with that because that's not who I am and that's not what I do. And I just, I mean, my respect for that man just shot up exponentially at that point because he, if he were in on this conversation, I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. Players, yeah, he's a not several time, uh He's a several time world solo drumming champion, just for those who yeah. don't know. Like he's absolutely, he, he's absolutely the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's arguably the best player in the world. And when you get to that level, there, there is no best. There is just those guys and the rest of us. But the point to be made is if Barry Wilson were here with us in this conversation, he would, he would absolutely agree that uh, to, to perform any sort of task is one thing. And to be able to teach or impart knowledge in a methodological way, that's a completely different skill set all on its own. And I think this is all the more reason why if, if a band, as many bands we know, are forced into the situation of not having professional pedagogues, then they should try to find them. And it's not just try to find someone who's awesome at bagpipes to show them how to be awesome at bagpipes. Find someone who's awesome at, awesome at teaching so they can okay. not only help them be better at their instruments, but maybe help them teach as well. Yeah. Totally. All right. Next, uh, next thing, uh, a question. Actually, yeah, a question from John, John number three. We have three Johns today. Doesn't the ensemble adjudication force great cooperation between the pipers and the drummers? That's a question. Uh, Eagle, you go first, and then then uh, after, after him. Well, I mean, you know, there's a big difference between playing together and working together. You know, does the adjudication force anything? I mean, I, I don't think they force anything. They, they certainly dictate you need to play together to be successful as any musical ensemble does. But I, I think that, you know, working together and actually being a team outside of the circle is going to make the things inside the circle that much better. Yeah. Right. I, I've always thought, I mean, one of my, oh my, it's been my confusion, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, you know, is I think that the methods that drummers use to teach one another and play together are, are Probably different than the, what pipers do to teach each other and play together, and, and I, I think whenever you have a situation where the two can sort of overlap, where there is much, the pipers can know as much about how the drummers, you know, the, the ins and outs of the drum scores versus and vice versa, you know, how the drummers can know the ins and outs of the pipe scores 
and and really sort of understand the music of it, then then you have better ensemble, like just automatically. And I don't I don't think that happens frequently, if at all, yeah. ever in pipe bands. Agreed. And it's you know because I mean I don't know, you know, my role from a I don't know whatever <laughs> you know I, I don't, it's it's so but and I would never even recognize it if it was written on a staff, or, and I would never know. I, I mean I'm only relying on my ear most of the time, you know, when I when I play a tune and listen to a score. Um, how it fits and, and all that, but if you knew the ins and outs, like the, the intricacies of how it was taught and what you're shooting for when you're playing those particular bits um, on the piping side and the drumming side, I think that helps things immensely. I don't think it's ever focused on um, in pipe bands. Definitely. I'm just uh, I'm working on something here. So, okay, good. So the next big question uh, that I want to get into, Mike, uh, is you know, how, how do drummers like justify calling themselves musicians when they only have uh, one note? It's just, it's just that sort of bangy sound they make when they, uh, when they play on the drum. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I, I mean, I, I understand the question. And uh, since we're being a little tongue in cheek here in this session, then I could pose the question, how could bagpipers call themselves musicians with simply one dynamic? I mean, that's Ooh. one of the it's, oh, hey, I'm just laying out reality here, folks. <laughs> so, I mean, sharp. so, you know, it's an interesting thing when I talk to other, other wind players, like other people who play brass or woodwind instruments, and we, when I talk to them about bagpipes, always justifying them, of course, always standing up for the rights of Scottish music, bagpipers, pipe bands, etc. It's so interesting that, the, that no one knows the dynamic limitations of the instrument. They know that it's loud. They know that there are these unique fingerings and whatnot but they have no idea that the instrument is actually monodynamic. That's a really interesting point to them. So back to the question at hand, how can drummers call themselves musicians with only one note? And, I, you know, I, I don't think that one is a musician by simply having an instrument in their face, having a drum strapped to their body, having a clarinet in front of them, having a piano in front of them. Just because you have an instrument and you are making sounds with it, that does not constitute musicianship. Musicianship is something t entirely different. If anyone right now were to be handed a box of crayons and a piece of paper and you drew whatever came to mind, that does not constitute artistry. It's fun. It's expressive. But I don't know if I could then call you an artist because you made a cool little doodle with your crayons. You know what I'm saying? I make cool. the same argument with people who play on... Uh, you know, community softball or basketball teams, whatever. Just because you play a sport, that does not necessarily mean you are an athlete. To be an athlete is something totally different. So I, I think that, I, I mean, I understand the question from whomever posed that, but I, I think that we're really wanting to, wanting to talk about something different as opposed to labeling someone a musician or talking about musicianship. Perhaps the question is, how can a drummer really do something artful with just a single high-tension surface? And that is something that I could talk about for hours and hours and days and days, because despite the limitations, a lot of drum corps at many levels uh, seem to imply, I think a Scottish snare drum and a Scottish drum corps have miles and miles of potential as far as color, as far as groove contrast, all sorts of things that you could maybe more easily get on a piano. I really think you can achieve on a single yeah. Scottish snare drum if you have a musician driving the bus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, and I think you're getting right down to it. And, you know, I, 
And I was just, I, I posed that question, Mike. It was, I'm not uh, speaking on behalf of anyone else there. Uh, you know, I mean, it was Vin and Dee who said right this. Now kind of copy and um, do, drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. But otherwise, I'm just sort of playing the, the devil's advocate. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically, in the, the pipes have the same sort of, we have very major restrictions. And it was interesting that you just went right for the jugular there when you said, yeah, we have no dynamic range. And we only have one octave that we're working with. You know, whereas, like you say, a guitar or a piano has many octaves and uh, a huge dynamic range. And so, yeah, uh, the question is not, uh, the question is not, you know, uh, how, you know, you know, isn't the issue of what your restrictions are. It's, you know, what you're going to do with those restrictions put in place. Anyway, I thought I would show, I don't know, hopefully you don't mind, Mike, um, but uh, I, I just uploaded this while we were talking earlier. Um, this is kind of a, a really, really awesome article, which is one of the first things that I read. I don't know if it's not really loading for me. Is it loading for you? It's thinking. Uh, hold that yeah, thought. It's, it's thinking. thinking. Yeah, but um, this is one of the things I remember. This is one of the first times I ever really heard of Mike Eagle uh, several years ago. Uh, it was uh, uh, 2011, I think, right? Uh, in this article that he wrote for The Voice, which I think is absolutely outstandingly cool because – I think about bagpipes in a very similar way. And any of you guys that are students at Dojo U uh, know what I'm talking about. And uh, I don't know, Mike, talk about the drummer's alphabet a little bit. It's basically like these are the different things you need to be able to do uh, to start to create uh, really good music out of this instrument. Hey, Andrew, I don't know if you can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, I think I heard you. You might want to try to stop loading it. I think it's – oh, wait, there we go. There we go. We're loaded. Can you can you hear me, Andrew? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. You can hear me loud and clear. Okay. Again, I apologize for the background noise. Um, so I think you were asking me to to kind of brief everyone on this article, the drummer's alphabet. Yeah, like basically, um, this is sort okay. of how you so, break um, down. Yeah, we have a delay. That's cool. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah. What we do and what it is. So the um, a a little a little nugget that everyone likes to uh, coin and paraphrase and hand it to Alec Duthard um, is there's only two things you can do with the drum and that's a tap and a buzz. And I understand where Alec Duthard was coming with that. And in a lot of ways, it's a very beautiful and simplistic way of looking at things. But I think that when you really boil down to the physics of the situation, it's, it's a false statement. I, I think, in my opinion, that what physics allow um, a human being to do with a piece of wood in their hand on a rebounding surface is in fact nine things. And that's a very, very short to-do list. And so the, what I'm saying with this and the subsequent articles after it is that if you understand these nine hand motions, which we can equate to letters, then you can in fact play absolutely anything that you would ever be handed in Scottish drumming literature, really in any drumming literature. And so you can see right there on the front page the, those six lists in that middle column, hand motions, which are the letters of our al alphabet, drummer's alphabet, equate to letters there. And then you put those nine letters together in various combinations, and you get rudiments, which equate to words, of which there are only about 30 or so. And then you move on to combine words to formulate sentences, and those would equate to musical measures or bars. You put sentences together to make paragraphs, so that would equate to parts of a given tune. You put parts together to make full tunes, and those are chapters or maybe short stories. Then, of course, you put tunes together, and you have your whole set, and that would equate to a complete book. 
So when you look at these things um, and try to compare them to the way that you learned the English alphabet and the English language, when you think about what that took back when we were all kids, you had to learn 27 letters and umpteenth million words, right? That, that's a difficult thing to do. If you try to compare this to something really difficult like Mandarin, oh my God, I mean, you have to learn tens of thousands of little symbols and sounds and there's melodicism and tonality in the language. And that's really difficult. What we have to learn for any rudimental drumming in the world, not just Scottish drumming, is simply nine things. And if you can physically and mentally understand those nine things, you can quite literally play anything you're ever handed. And this is um, one of a series of four articles that basically starts one down that process. And to um, reflect back to um, Vincent's question on how do I teach guys drumming, I mean, the 101 information is right here in this article. And I don't think you need any more than 2,000 words to learn and understand. Now, the methods and the exercises and the procedures are absolutely finite. And I customize those based to an individual player's needs. But the information, the cognitive um, nature that's needed is right here in this little article. Cool. Um, how, many, how many drummers do you, do you think actually do that? When you, you know, <laughs> when you think about pipe band drummers that you that you know, how, how many are actually you know doing those nine things and understand well, them? Well, let's see. We have about twenty drummers for Orrin Moore. I taught X number of workshops last summer, so however many people have good, seen good me. Enough. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, granted, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a realist when it comes to this stuff. I'm not going to say I invented things that I did not. But as far as this methodology and these, this terminology for the drummer's alphabet, this is uniquely me. So the answer to that are only people that have studied with it, with me, may it be for a short or long period of time. Cool. Yeah. Um, hey, Mike. Some guys are asking if it's if we can post this PDF. Um, is is that cool or or, or uh, do we have to be careful? No, oh, man, that's perfectly fine. It's, it's all public domain and public information, and so feel free to post this as well as the subsequent three articles after it. Cool. Uh, I will uh, I'll definitely uh, uh, work on that here maybe while, while we continue to talk. Um, and I'm going to uh, have to boogie in probably about five minutes or less. Cool. Well, I mean, you know, I think one of the interesting things is, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of parallels between what, you know, the way you think about things, Mike, and the way that uh, the dojo thinks about things. And uh, we're certainly, I mean, we're certainly working together with uh, Michael Eagle um, as as uh, fast as humanly possible, because he will, of course, uh, I think, be a pivotal uh, aspect um, in the uh, drumming uh uh, drumming dojo or the you know dojo university drumming which we've already started to build and uh, you know so we're working on that and, and I think it's pretty cool because you know uh, I, I believe in looking through looking at music through the lens of objectivity as much as possible certainly when it comes to you know discussing fundamentals and developing playing and um, you know can you speak to that like can you speak to you know uh, you know ways that we could look at music uh, in a way that'll make us better musicians, like maybe for a couple minutes before you have to go? Sure. sure. Uh, the two things that come to mind when I hear you say that is, and this kind of maybe um, relates to a lot of things we've discussed so far, I think that pipe band people, just given, given the culture that we've seen to breed, I think we get into this habit of taking what we've been told as a religion. Like, no, no, no. I Drummers right now so kind of copy so and do what they're told. So Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're in told. Short. And so, 
So, um, I'm sorry. Um, sorry about that. So my finger slipped. On one hand, I think for any of us to learn or to master any sort of skill, there, there certainly has to be has to be a learning period, a master. A, what, what happened? A, a master apprenticeship sort of thing. I don't know. It keeps going off. Okay. So, um, so anyway, there, what I'm trying to say is there, there has to be a student-teacher relationship where you are the student for a short amount of time so you can actually learn things. But I think it's important to take that information that you receive and, and, to, and to put it in with everything else that you have also learned. Because if you don't do that, if you simply take the information you've learned from someone else – and take that as gospel, then you are simply reciprocating information and not exploring your own artistry, your own thoughts, you know, your own additions, your own unique perspective to the music or you as a teacher, whatever the case may be. And so therefore you're simply reciprocating someone else's information. I openly want to share these articles with anyone that would read them, and I don't want anyone to take them as gospel. I don't want anyone to ever say, well, I think this because Mike Eagle said it. I want people to say, I read this, and I agree with it, and I will use it. Or I read this, and I disagree with it. I'm not going to use this, whatever. And I think it's important that we stay objective and open-minded like that as opposed to try to look for an excuse to be maybe dogmatic about certain things because I don't think that's ever really healthy. Um, I had another thought in this regard, but those voice prompts got me off, so I don't know. That's, that's my thoughts on that. Objectivity yeah. is good. I don't know. Uh, sorry if uh, those those distracted you. Uh, you know that sound clip. <laughs> well, yeah, Dom has a good point because, like, you find that I think that's a that's a real shortcoming for you know the just the judging that we experience when we compete. You know, I think I think a lot of judges are judging pipe bands based on this sort of narrow gospel of piping and drumming that uh you know and and, it, and not looking at it objectively from a, from a musical perspective and bringing in other kinds of perspectives and points of view that could easily be applied as well. Um, I'm hoping that things change over, the, over time, but who knows? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's all very interesting. Well, Mike, thanks very much for joining us. I know you got to go, and uh, uh, will we be able to see you if we watch the Knicks games tonight, or, or what? Or do, you not, do they not play you on yep, TV? Yep, I'm off to, uh, to do the Knicks game. I don't. We never know the TV action. There's always cameras and people running around, and you know we're just supposed to go out and play when we play. So I'm not really sure about that end of things. Cool. Excellent, man. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, uh, have fun. And we'll we'll see you see you later on. So long, Michael. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to see everyone at this session, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll be talking with you guys again soon. Great. All right. Take it easy, Mike. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. See you later. So uh, uh, I uh, just uploaded uh, as many of these as I could find of, of uh, the type of stuff that, that Mike has written and uh, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He brings up a lot of good points. I mean, it's, it's great to actually, you know, hear like, you know, a broader perspective, you know, when it's applied to just, you know, because, you know, piping is just our little world. It's like it's one musical idiom, you know, it's not like, you know, it doesn't live in a bubble. So it's, you know, you can apply, you can, you know, the music is a gigantic thing, you know, and lots of people do it and lots of people learn it and play it and perform it and it all applies and it, it, to everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doesn't, piping is not excluded, drumming is not, pipe band drumming is not excluded. So 
great yeah. to hear that, that approach. I agree. So uh, anyway, and, uh, Andrew is, is has he's made a comment on styles, and he's you know, I wish Michael stuck around to, to talk about this. I mean, I, I think he's correct. I mean, when you're dealing with different styles, that's one thing. But I think the point Mike Michael's trying to make is that once you learn that alphabet, you know, once you've learned those fundamentals, um, you could you can adapt, you know, um, fairly easily. And I think that's what he's saying when he's teaching a lot of drummers that don't come from a pipe band background, um, pipe band style. And they're they're already you know sort of adapting relatively easily because they know those fundamentals because they, they right. that's that's that where their expertise lies in being able to understand those fundamentals, and it's just a matter of making small adjustments. And yeah, it takes practice and it does take some work, but um, right. Well, and I think I think Andrew's main, mainly just commenting here in regards to you know you got to sort of stick to one style at a time, and uh, yeah, I think the martial arts analogy is a really good one. You know, like. Uh, and, and I think that's definitely true. And, or, or, or if that's, or if it's not true, you know, it would certainly be a major project when it comes to, you know, discussing other styles. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, piping is very interesting. I think, you know, uh, pipe pipers with really good fundamentals are able to adapt their style really, really easily. Granted, uh, the styles are generally really, really similar, right? So if I want to play with, uh, if I wanted to play with Jack Lee versus, you know, Willie, you know, they're both pretty similar at the end of the day stylistically, but obviously there are definite definitive differences in how they approach it. And I, I remember we used to play graduations at, at Simon Fraser University and, you know, the, the two pipers would lead everybody down and uh, oftentimes uh, Jack and I would do it. And it was kind of interesting, you know, like, and it was six, eight marches. So uh, it wasn't band material. It was just tunes we had never really played before. And it was always very interesting. Like, you know, I was observing uh, you know, the differences in Jack's style versus mine uh, and making that, making that adaptation really, really quickly. Um, and I think, I, you know, I think that's something you can do when you have a strong uh, palette of fundamentals that you can draw from. Whereas, you know, whereas if you have, um, if you have a sort of uh, one-dimensional uh, idea of, of piping or, or piping style, right? Like, like you, were, you were saying earlier, Vin, you know, my, my teacher told me this way and this is how it is. Right. I, you know, I think that uh, that's certainly going to prohibit uh, you from being able to explore and adapt to other styles as well. So so I think it's all very interesting. And I would expect that drumming is is no different. Yeah, I, I think and I think that perspective really I mean, really holds a lot of bands back. I mean, I think there's you know, there's a fair number of bands out there that have decent players, you know, that, that have a lot of potential and they're stuck sort of, you know, playing what they believe is, like you said, one-dimensional. You know, it's, it's this sort of understanding of this is, you know, they don't actually ever talk about style. Those, those words are never uttered. You know, they don't think about how they want to present the music and the style that they're, that, you know, that, which is only one among many that they could choose from. And, and so they just, they're stuck playing, oh, the stress bays are, being play, are played this way. And, and then now you have everybody sort of trying to throw their own style, whether they think they have it or not trying to adapt to that sort of sort of one-dimensional idea about what it should be played like. And, right. You know, I, think that, that I mean, really and then great. in a band or in a drum corps, it, the, other thing, the other thing that exists in many bands or drum corps is uh, the idea that, uh, and I think you're sort of touching on that there, is, uh, yeah, by the way, we're playing my style. You know, uh, in, in, and that's one of the things I think a lot of bands go wrong with that too. I mean, you know, um, you know, the person who is sort of setting the style or defining the style, you know, there has to be, there has to be adaptation and, uh, you know, 
and thought a thought process being applied to that as well because sometimes you know the um the default style that someone is presenting you know uh is, is a really difficult thing to to replicate or or to play with so so in the band situation you know like in, as you know vin and carl's here too you know we're regularly adapting how we're choosing to you know uh to approach things uh, just because uh, because yeah, that, that end of it has to be interesting too. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of, uh, pipe bands end up in a sort of dark, a dark place because the, the default style is not, not adaptable. Right. Or, and people don't know necessarily what they're adapting. You know, they don't even know where they're, where they're going to, where they're moving to. Yeah. Like if they have to adapt, they don't know what they're adapting to, you know, they're just sort of figuring it out. And, and that's, and it just sort of like gets, becomes, you know, it, it never reaches that, that point where it can actually gain momentum musically, you know? Yeah. Les says, uh, yeah, that sort of attitude of, yeah, we're going to play my style here. I think he, he's saying that probably leads to a lot of the pipe band fractures that we see, like a lot of the, you know, people parting ways. And I can't agree more. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I like, think, I mean, that's, that, I think that's a, it's a common element too, that you hear a lot of, a lot of better better pipe bands talk about it. it's like everybody's got to be committed to the idea you know whatever they're doing you know whether it's you know an organizational thing or a musical thing or you know everybody's just got to be in agreement <laughs> and they have to buy that's into a, the idea you know? that's an amazing observation right is people have to be bought into the music that they're making so if they're not believing in the music that they're making right then uh, they're not going to be happy and they're going to leave right at least that's what i would do Right. And then and then that's the interesting thing. So then if someone is leading a, is leading a group saying we're going to play my style here, that's that's how we operate. Well, then you're not really asking people to believe in the music at that point, are you? Now you're asking people to believe in an individual. And uh, and that can get kind of like frustrating and uh, not really workable in a hurry. You know, so so the leader, uh, as well as the people in the group, the constituents, they all have to be sort of focusing on the same musical ideals uh, and you have to try and keep that personal, the personal and the emotional and the egotistical, you have to try and keep that out of the musical vision. Granted, every band has egos and emotions and, you know, all those sorts of things, but it has to be, has to be channeled in a, uh, in a healthy way, I think. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There have to be compromises by everyone. And I remember that was one of the things where, uh, you know, uh, that's one of the things where the SFU pipe band was such an inspiration. You know, the, there was a sort of band mantra that existed where, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, how good you are, where you come from, uh, or what weaknesses you have or whatever. You know, it's like when you get to band practice, everything gets checked at the door uh, and you focus on the music and, you know, uh, you, you do all that other stuff, you know, on your own time. Like all the other stuff. And, you know, sure enough, you know, people did, you know, like. Uh, you know, people would go out to the pub afterwards and have a pint and, you know, vent a little bit about certain things here and there. And, uh, you know, and that was all, it was all good. People actually kind of, you know, yeah. kind of liked it's commiserating. One, it's one thing to be doing that when you're in SFU too. It's like another thing entirely when you're in a grade four band who's still developing and still trying to make it all work to do that. Like, you know, how can you, how are you so sure <laughs> about your position that you can undermine the entire group? Uh, musically because you think it should be different like how you know what I mean like are you at some pinnacle of music that you can make that statement or are you still developing and growing as a band and shouldn't you buy into that idea of 
what you need to do to, to, to grow and develop yeah. as a group. Well, Ephraim here says, you know, or maybe everyone agrees that a certain individual has the right system and the right idea, and they all go along with it. Well, yeah, that's, that's the ideal situation. Uh, but people have to agree in the musical vision, right? And the leader has to not ask the people to believe in other things additionally, like just do what I say because that's the way it is. Because that, that, only, goes, that, only, goes one, that only goes one way. And uh, it goes the way of uh, irrelevance. And it goes into all other things too, which is like really boggles my mind when I hear stories about you know pipe majors who don't let ever and you know any pipers touch their reeds or are only allowed to do exactly what you know the Wait, pipe major. You've been touching your reed. What's that? I don't. You've been touch touching your reed much? You've been touching your reed? <laughs> no, I don't touch my reed. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like have, you know, we're or, gonna have or, to have or, a chat. You know, Busted. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the way out anyway. <laughs> Got to do something. Then why don't you just uh, what what do we say Remember here? Right uh, now, kind of copy and do. What, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just Why don't you just copy and do what you're told? <laughs> yeah. I'm just 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 kidding, of course. So anyway, what were you saying? I I didn't mean well, to interrupt. You, know, you, know, like, you, you always have that that band where there's the guy who like makes the adjustments to the drone reads or makes the adjustments to the reads, and and, and is the only one allowed to do that. So everyone's left floundering, um, you know, with their equipment. And and and, un, and unduly because it's like they they should be able to have the skills to fix things and keep their instrument going well and so. But there's always because that authority sort of exists at this gut with this guy or girls and saying it's my style my way. They just you know do what they're told and to their detriment you know like then the band starts suffering because there's you know no one knows what to do basically. And I'm talking about bands at the lower levels. I mean you know I'm saying this these are, this happens you know at the lower levels when you have a lot of learners coming up and trying to trying to play competition material and stuff like that, you know. But I think developing other skills just goes hand in hand with that. It has to, um, if you're going to be building a, a group like that. Yeah, we have um, we have some really well-known drummers out there. Like I see Rich, Richard uh, Bachman's out there, which is a, a fantastic drummer that's put together some really great chords. I mean, uh, um, would you have any interest in typing in a couple sentences on, on your thoughts there, uh, Richard and I see that uh, looks like Michael Rourke's out there too, and you know, a member of a really, really good, really good core as well. Like any of your thoughts would be great, uh, you know, just to sort of see that uh, temporarily as well. If you're out there, and if not, that's totally fine. Richard's um, earlier comment was blah blah blah, <laughs> which really, at the end of the day, is really kind of poignant. <laughs> it's it's sort of a uh, a good descriptor of what we do yeah, here so. at uh, Dojo Universe. Um, yeah, I, I must have missed that one. I tend to tune out those those ones. You know what I mean? But it uh, looks like Mike's typing anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, and then I don't know. Any other thoughts would be great too. Uh, 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 Les says the leader has. How many do we have out there anyway? We have forty-one. It was up to forty-four at one point. We have forty-one participants. I mean, how many of you guys are drummers? We get how many drummers do we get for this one? You know, two of them out there. Yes. We we support uh, we support uh, passing the time at work here, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, Ephraim says there's a fine line in bands between casualness and expectations. Ephraim's like a he's like a visionary. <laughs> Does being a sometime student of drumming count? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm a sometime student of drumming uh, when I can be. Yeah, I, I did anyway, learn uh, enough to play parade beats at one point. Um, yeah, Joe McGonagall was telling me that. 
Yeah, there's yeah. several guys, uh, several guys in that group that that do that. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, well, you know, I think that's uh, that'll pretty much do it for today. I mean, sometimes we have a tendency to drag things on for longer than they need to, so we won't do that here today. But um, it, it was great to have Mike Eagle out and just kind of just kind of funny. We we ended up on the topic last week. We caught Vin. We caught Vin. Uh, you know, red-handed. Drummers uh, right but, now kind of copy and do what they're told. Oh, jeez. Uh, and uh, we kind of caught him red-handed. Agreed with actually. Yeah, and then the the thing was, everyone jumped on the bandwagon. So, so uh, you know, in defense, you know, we just sort of uh, uh, we're gonna sort of debate it a little bit more. And by the way, that audio was not doctored in any way. Uh, <laughs> I actually checked out the original audio was a lot more innocent than that in listening it's like, back. It's like ellipses before and after. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I sort of took it out. And I also took out my controversial statements, you know, uh, uh, as well. That's just a small excerpt. But uh, but it was funny. And then everyone piled on the bandwagon. And uh, and so we, we decided it would be kind of a, a fun show to do. So so anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. And it's good to see some, some newer people in there. And um, it's good to see uh, good to see Richard Boffman is, like, extremely enthused about what we're doing here. That's That's good. And, <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy, for uh, coming on again. And uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. And thanks for coming out and having a couple of chuckles with us. And uh, just remember, at the end of the day, Vin's official stance on drumming is as follows: Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. Oh man! <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Thanks for coming. <laughs>